This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, Charlie. And good morning to you, Franklin. Well, nice to be with you on this uh, 20th of January. Wow. I know. Like, where did January go? Well, I'm glad it's going. <laughs> Get out of here, you know. <laughs> True. But I just, I keep thinking it's the beginning of January I, I, in yeah, my brain. Yeah. I mean, I was just saying that in terms of the teaching I'm doing at the college, uh, we're just starting the winter semester this week. Oh, so, right. Everything got kind of backed up there, Yeah, because of, of that strike back in right. October. So, you know, for me, this is, feels like the beginning of January. Well, it's nice to see some milder temperatures True. out there. We're above uh, freezing by about uh, five or six degrees. Uh, Today. Yeah, yeah. I think right about now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's mild. Yeah. Milder. Yeah. But I better get those phone numbers yep. on the air because we do want uh, folks to give you a call, Charlie, and mm-hmm. find out what's going on in their garden and in yours. Okay. In Toronto, call 416. 416- Six three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere else in the province, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. If uh, you are a first time caller, please let Sebastian or operator know. And when you get to the air, you'll hear that you get your garden wings. And our little mantra is: call early, call often. One question per call. There we go. Okay, off and running. All right, here we are. Uh, not a ton of things going yep. on that I know about. The one thing I will mention, I think I mentioned last week as well, is upcoming fundraiser. The Applewood Garden Club hosting their um, the three amigos who are Mark Cullen, Frank Ferragini, and Dennis Flanagan. Ah, uh, Dennis Flanagan, yes, right. Yes, and you know him well. Yes. On Tuesday, January the 23rd. So that's this Tuesday at the Great Hall, the Unitarian Congregation, 84 South Service Road in Mississauga. That's at 7 p.m. The topic is healthy gardening for today's world. It is a $20 admission fee. The net proceeds proceeds will go to the Highway of Heroes. Uh-huh. All righty. Okay. And, uh, you know, I thought, uh, judging from the news, everything is shut down in the States. But... Not <laughs> the really. The phones are working. Yes, the phones are working. And we'll put that at, at true evidence uh, by getting Jim from Philadelphia back on the air here in just a couple of moments. Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, uh, very uh, pleased to welcome back to the air, Jim from Philadelphia. Hi, Jim. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Uh, Charlie, question about strawberries. I've got June bearers. Uh, I think it's called Sure Crop. Mm. Um, had them in the ground three years now. Mm. I know, or I believe the way they work, you should be taking the uh, babies that they make, the runners, re uh, making sure they root, and then the yeah. parents will come up after a few years. So what I did, I took a, of a 1020 tray. It has the 50 cells. Mm-hmm. 
I took that, cut them up, buried it inside my patch, put soil in them, and then rooted the runners into those okay, in, the spring, yeah. in the summer. Mm. Did really good, but I never pulled them back out of the patch. Okay. So they're frozen in. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> See where I'm going with this? What do I do now? I pulled one about three weeks ago, a little one I kicked and it flew out and it looks okay you can see it's got plant life the uh, it rooted nicely mm. most of the leaves have died just because of the time mm. of year but i'm not sure leave them there until spring i'm guessing now and then transplant them what do you think my next uh, yeah are they is it the tray sitting right on top of the surface of the soil yeah it's, it's buried in with the plants but yeah it's on the surface Okay, so if it's buried, where so that well, so, excuse me, it's uh, in the the greenery of the plant, yeah. so it's sitting on the surface next to the plant, right. and then I took the runner and just yeah. buried it into Dude, the yeah. uh, planter. Um, okay, so but the planter sitting on the ground. Yeah, uh, like I'm ground level. Okay, so yeah. I was going to say it would be better if that tray had been sunk down into the ground a couple of inches, just because having their little roots in those little cell packs above ground can, can cause death because it's so much colder above ground than in the ground. Right. So if you were in Ontario, I would say, oh my gosh, you know, they may not survive. But because you're down in Pennsylvania, it is certainly possible that it isn't cold enough that they, they will survive. Uh, in the meantime, though, don't you, you can't be doing any digging and planting. I'm sure the so the ground is frozen for the top few inches anyway. Yep. So if you could get a hold of some dried leaves or some straw or something that would provide a little bit of insulation around that tray, I would put a pile of that kind of thing on top of the tray just for now until we get to some thawing weather. Once we get into some spring, of course, you'll move that all away. Otherwise, the little plants will rot underneath the uh, anything you provide in the way of insulation. So so anything that can trap air, that's why straw is so, so um, it, you, you, you know, utilized in a big way, because straw is hollow in the stems. Um, okay. Now, the next week, it's going to start to warm and get out of melt, uh, freezing conditions. Mm. If I can get them out, uh, mm. up, completely get them off the ground, where I can cut the roots at the ground mm. beneath them and bring mm. them in, would that be better, don't, or go ahead and mulch them and leave them there? Yeah, don't bring them in. No, because okay. they want to be out for the winter, and if you bring them into a warm, you know, room temperature kind of a home, they're going to say, oh, wow, look, suddenly it's <laughs> April, and, or, and then it'll be May the next day, and before you know it, they'll be growing and, and requiring a whole bunch of uh, care. So unless you've got a little greenhouse or a you know, great spot to put them, they're going to just start to grow and flower and need water and need to be transplanted into bigger pots and all kinds of stuff. So I'd keep them dormant, but it, but just do whatever you can to, to ensure that they survive this, this winter. And then as soon as the ground is workable, absolutely, sever those little stems and get them into the ground, get them planted into where you want them. Okay. Alpines, okay. you do the same thing. Do you have to get the runners? Frank, I'm not getting another question. It's just a continuation. <laughs> uh, yeah, same idea. Main thing is, yeah, just once they're rooted, then sever from mother and into the into the permanent location. Okay. Great. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. I almost hopped Thanks. in my motorcycle there, Jim. And <laughs> he I heard it firing up. Pulling yeah. out his pen. <laughs> have okay, a good one, pal. Thank you for joining us here thank on you. the Garden Show. All the way from uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Jim. All righty. Great. Um, got a cloudy morning, but let's brighten it up by welcoming uh, Lewis to the line here in Toronto. Good morning, Lewis. Good morning. How are you? Great. Thank good morning. You. Everybody seems happy over there. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody happy on this side. Excellent. <laughs> uh, my question is regarding the um, mosquito plant, the one that smells almost uh, like uh, lemony. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the name is. Mm-hmm. 
I had a nice big one outside. I brought it inside. Um, I had it inside, and then I um, was taking care of it like a regular plant, but it seemed to start dying off. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I did then is I got myself a container, and I put it in the container uh, with water up to the, almost to the top of the pot. Okay. Like the, the water's in the container, not in the pot itself. But in other words, it had lots of water so it could drink if it needed it. Okay. Because that plant, from what I noticed in the summer, it uh, drinks a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's still dry. So I don't know if it's dead, dying, mm-hmm. or what's happening. All right. So the plant is called Citrosa. Uh, Citrosa okay. is just the common name. It smells, if you rub it, it smells like citronella or lemon yes. pledge. It's very <laughs> lemony. It is actually a geranium. It is um, a, a form of geranium. It's an annual plant, so bringing it in was a good idea because it would not survive outside in the winter. But you need to treat it like you would treat a geranium when you bring it in. And, of course, there's different ways to deal with them. Usually what I do with my geraniums if I'm bringing them in in the fall is I put them on a sunny windowsill and I treat them, like you said, like like a houseplant. So water when dry, give them sunshine as much as, you know, much as there is. Turn the plant 180 degrees every, uh, you know, every couple of days just to make sure that when it's growing, it grows in a balanced fashion. We do expect some leaves to die back in that process of coming in just because the light levels drop dramatically from outside to inside. So some of the older leaves will drop, but new growth will come. Excuse me, it tends to be kind of scrawny new growth, but you will often get that slow winter growth on any annual geranium. And the idea is... When we get to sort of mid-February, we get out our little scissors and we start chopping off all those tips and rooting up new plants. And of course, you can root those tips in water, but I would not have the actual plant or the roots of the plant that are in soil in permanent water at all. They, they do need to dry right out between waterings. Okay. Okay. So do water okay. thoroughly. Don't water, you know, never water every day. Water thoroughly and then let it dry down. It might be a week, might be two weeks between watering, but you'll, you'll never, it's hard to kill a geranium with lack of water, but it's very easy to kill with too much. Okay. 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 Excellent, Lewis. Thank you. Okay. Thank, thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks Bye-bye. for calling. And the same yeah. To you. Yeah. I wonder if Lewis was a first time caller. We never uh, asked uh, him. Don't, I, uh, I don't don't recognize it, his um, voice. No, nor did I. Mm. It, You'd think I would recognize everybody's yeah, voice. Exactly. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have to take a little bit of a break here. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, thank you. Yes, yes. We're beleaguered. And little minds, uh, mind, mine's still clogged up from this stupid cold. cold oh, I my know. God. It goes on and on, doesn't it? Anyway, a reminder but of those. But you're going to go huh? south soon. Oh, that's true. And you're going to be all better. Yes. You're going to get into the sunshine <laughs> and the surf. Let, let the sun just bake it right out of there. That's day, huh? right. Yeah. Recharge those, those batteries. Well, every once in a while, you do need to do that, mm-hmm. don't you, huh? Uh, phone numbers for The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio, 416-360-0740 here in Toronto. And then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And we're back to say hi to Lorraine uh, from Cambridge in just a moment here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcoming again Lorraine from Cambridge. (laughs) Hi, Lorraine. Hi, Charlie. Frank. Good morning. morning. Um, I just wanted to ask you about, um, I have uh, tall ravine grass. 
And I understand you're supposed to cut things down on an angle so that rain runs off and it doesn't rot. Is that what I would do, or do I do it flat? Uh, so, sorry, tell me what kind of grass it is, ravine? It's called ravenna, ravine grass. Oh. It goes about 12 feet tall. Oh, yeah, okay. So what I do is, with any, it's an ornamental grass, right? Yes. So with any of the grasses, what I do is leave them all winter. Yes. Because we love what they look like sure. uh, standing up. And then in the spring, I don't get fancy with the cutting on an angle with grasses. And in particular, really big grasses. I have friends with rural properties that have you know, massive ornamental grasses, and they use chainsaws to cut them <laughs> really? down in the spring. Wow. Yeah, like little mini chainsaw. Just because it would just take forever to do it with hand clippers. I have much smaller clumps of grasses, so I, I use hand clippers. But, yeah, I just go, soon, as soon as the weather's a little bit nice, and you obviously don't want to step on the soil too early in the spring, because, you know, if it's too moist, stay away from it. But as soon as, you know, things have dried down a bit, yeah, just go straight in there. Um, technically, an angle is always preferred, but with the grasses, they're usually hollow-stemmed anyway, so it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Right? So and just I- low to the ground, you know, an inch or two above the ground. And I have to tell you, I'm a terrible person to sleep in, and I set my alarm so I can listen to your show. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I like that. So you're lying in bed right now, cup right. of tea. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's the way to do it. Well, Nothing wrong with that. That's nice. Uh, the show that. that you can go to sleep by. Yeah. I think that's really wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for calling. No, you wake up to, that, that's not right. go to sleep to. My goodness. Oh, <laughs> okay. Now, that's right. terrific. That's a neat little phone call there uh, from Lorraine in Cambridge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pull those covers up and just snuggle in. And I know. Listen to well, what... it is pretty gray out yeah, there. It's it a nice is. day to stay in bed. I exactly. Think. But uh, it is milder. We and uh, somebody's up in Welland. Uh, Mary Jane. <laughs> hey, good morning, Mary Jane. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, uh, you've helped me many times, so I'm hoping you can help me with this one. Um, uh, not this last fall, but the fall before, I had the same problem with two plants. I have a yellow yarrow with silvery leaves mm-hmm. and a coreopsis with yellow with brown centers. Mm-hmm. They grew huge, so I dug them up in the fall and I split them mm-hmm. and um, scattered the pieces around, gave a couple away. But now they didn't, they didn't bloom last year. Uh, I think I had one flower on the yarrow and only maybe about four or five on the coreopsis. So I don't, now they've grown huge again and I don't quite know what to do with them. Hmm. I I tucked dead, you know, some of the coreopsis from one of my other plants um, that I had the same ones around the, the base when I, you know, planted it, but they didn't make flowers. So now I don't know what to do. <laughs> okay, so, but you know what I think is going on there? Um, so this past, like you said, you so fall 2016, so not... 15, yeah. 15, yeah, so it was a, that was a very dry growing season. So we had right. lots of sun, it was very droughty, actually. Especially down here. Yeah, and the two plants you've mentioned, both Coreopsis and Yarrow, are very drought tolerant. They love the heat, they love the sun, they love the dry. So they would have been probably pretty producing lots of flowers and looking very good. Yeah. At that point, you dug them up, you divided, you replanted in different areas or, or back in the same spot, smaller clumps. And we then experienced last year's growing season, which was the direct opposite of the year before. It was right. cold, it was wet, it was gray, it was humid. So all, all the conditions that lead to a lot of green growth on plants, 
but are not the happiest growing conditions for either Coreopsis or Yarrow because they much more prefer the dry, the heat, the sun. Well, that, yeah, mine are in a really good, they get lots of sun, they're in a really good spot. I mean, they're obviously happy yeah, because they, 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 they just grow to monstrous yeah. proportions. That's right. So you're getting lots of green growth because of all that moisture that we had, but right. you didn't get a lot of flowers because we weren't getting the heat of the sun. So, right. Bottom line is, I'm, I'm just trying to say, like, don't panic. I think what you experienced was just more a reflection of the conditions we had, the growing okay. conditions. I think you find if we have a more normal, whatever that is, spring and summer, you will see your more traditional flowering. And, of course, remember, no fertilizer for those plants at all. Uh, right. Or if you are going to give them any fertilizer, just do a little bit of top dressing with some uh, composted manure or something like that. Make sure that the soil is in good condition. But, it, you know, if too much nitrogen coming close to those plants is just going to lead to lots more green growth. Oh, maybe that's my problem. Yeah. I'm a miracle grow person. Well, make sure it's miracle grow. That's the like blooms plus or whatever it's called. Like it's a real flowering plant miracle grow. Oh, and, right. Okay. And, and that'll make a difference as well because that'll be higher in phosphorus, which should encourage. So I can. I I'll just see what happens this year. Now, what happens in the fall? Because they're. I mean, they're huge you know, again. <laughs> dig and divide <laughs> again. Do you belong to your local horticultural society? I know they'll take donations for the plant sale. Oh, I have no problem giving away the yeah. baby. Yeah. When I split them, I've got lots of neighbors who are trying to yeah. garden, oh, and I can, I can. I just, I was just mm. like the yarrow is beautiful. Mm. It's silver. It looks pretty even without the flowers. Mm. But the coreopsis is just this green pile of leaves. That's right. Yeah, it's just a big clump of green. <laughs> so, uh, all right, I'm gonna. I'll leave them in the spring. Let's see yeah. what they do. Yeah, I would anticipate they're yeah, gonna look know. better this season than they did last season. And I should, I should still continue with the coreopsis to put the dead. The dead, um, you know, the seed heads, tuck them in around like I do for some of my plants? Um, Well, you are encouraging more plants. So, I mean, that's making those clumps even bigger than they need to be, sooner than they need to be. (laughs) I'm my own worst enemy. (laughs) So you might want to take those seed heads and pass those to the neighbors because then they could grow some. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. well, well, yeah, I can certainly do that. I have some seed-loving neighbors. All right, my dear. Well, thank you so much. I will just watch them in the spring, and let's uh, hope we have a little uh, better work. It's uh, the weather down here is so so different than you get sure, up there. Sure. It is normally very hot and dry, but right. it was wet last year. That's yeah. for sure. It's true. Okay, no, Mary it Jane. is interesting yeah. in the province how you know when I'm out at hort societies and stuff, get really different sort of. I'm saying, well, blah blah blah, and they're going, no, not here. <laughs> That's right. Okay, thank you very much, Mary Jane. Nice to have you here with us on a Saturday morning from Zoomer Radio. Um, hey, oh, my bell ringing arm oh, is in get good some shape. Exercise. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't used it at all today. <laughs> well, I will now, though. Just a minute. Hey, there that bell ring is for Denny, a first-time caller here in Toronto. Hi, Denny. Welcome to the show. Hi, Charlie and Frank. Yeah, nice to have you with us. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am just curious to know. I have a Japanese maple. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know why it hasn't lost its leaves for the first time ever. I know, that's a great question. There is not a single, I have not seen a single Japanese maple in all my travels this winter and fall that dropped its leaves. Oh! Yeah, it's been a, it was, it was what happened in the fall. So there's a couple of, it's, it's all physiological, but I I believe it kind of goes back to the amount of moisture that was available to the plants. Okay. Because the moisture levels were so high in the soil and high in the plants, the leaves never actually severed to drop. There is a, there's a whole, 
process that's supposed to take place in the fall where the cells actually, there's a layer of cells that die and the leaves drop and that didn't happen. There was just too much moisture available. Ah. So don't, don't be concerned. when. No, 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 I'm not. I absolutely love it actually yeah. because it's giving me privacy out my kitchen window, which yeah. I never get in the winter. So it's acting like an oak tree or a beech tree because they do the same, right? They hold their leaves all winter and then as soon as the new growth starts in the spring, all those crispy leaves leaves fall off. Uh-huh. So, and I, I think that's exactly what will happen with all of our Japanese maples. Oh my goodness. Okay, thanks okay. a bunch. You're very hey, welcome. And don't okay, be strange. Bye. Alrighty, Dave. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Bright and happy, cheerful sound. Yeah. Oh, isn't that cute? Just looking out the window here, here's somebody Aww. walking their dog right by our window in the studios. It looks like and, Red Riding Hood. Yeah, your little cape on with a little hat. Hood, little red hood. <laughs> yeah. Little, kinda, that's kind of Super neat. cute. Welcome uh, to the show, uh, Pauline. Good morning, and uh, here we are on the Garden Show. Yes, good morning. Um, I have a composting question. Uh-huh. When there was the E. coli scare on the romaine lettuce, mm-hmm. so I've still got the lettuce sitting in the fridge, but I just took it out today, and I would assume that I would not be able to compost it. I'd have to throw it in the garbage. Hey, that's a really good question. I have never... Okay, so are you convinced that your lettuce has E. coli? Or? It was brought around that period, and I just kept it in the fridge because I didn't know what to do with it. I mean, I personally would stick it in my composter. Yes. I, I wouldn't worry about it. But then, I, you know, I, I mix my composter up with lots of other things. Uh-huh. And, and, of course, I don't eat my compost. Uh, you know, I, I grow things in the soil. The compost all goes into the soil. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing is you could maybe might make you feel a little better would take that lettuce, stick it in the freezer for a week, uh-huh. and then stick it in the composter. Okay, I'll do that. That might be a way just to be a little more double-checking that the E. coli is, is inert because that's what you would want. Assuming that there is E. coli on it. Okay, thank you very okay. much. Thanks thank for you, calling. An interesting question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it is. I never really thought about that. Uh-huh. Um, for those of you out there saying, you know, she had love to call in, but the line's always busy. Now would be a great time to call. Got a couple <laughs> of lines open. All right, in Toronto, give a call to Charlie Dobbin at 416-360-0740 or anywhere in the province. Uh, toll free, of course, 1-866-740-4740. We've got Julie online from North York. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, Hi. Hi. What's going on at your place? Oh, you know what, Charlie? I brought a hibiscus plant in the house in October. Uh-huh. And you know what? It's about five feet tall now. Nice. Wow. And why? Like, it keeps blooming, and then when the blooms are finished, it keeps getting more buds. Is that normal? <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. <laughs> but I don't know, like, what do I do? Do I cut it down in the well, spring? Well, that's the thing. So what you're going to want to do, because obviously if you leave it the size it is now, yes. and you take it outside and it grows another couple of feet, you'll never get it back into the house next fall. So the trick is, yes, you want to do your pruning on those hibiscus uh, mid-March. Mid-March. Cut it, cut it right down? Cut it way back. Do not hesitate to take as much as a third off of the plant. A third of it off, okay? And unfortunately, you may be taking some buds and some flowers, but um, okay. do it anyway, because you'll, but, you'll be happy you've done, you did it a, a year from now. But it just keeps 
keeps blooming. It's it's crazy. <laughs> well, that's great. a great complaint. <laughs> no, but it's I, you know usually I brought it in last year, nothing happened. But this year, I guess oh, it's yeah. in the it's right in the sun all day in yeah. the sliding doors. You know the sliding yeah. doors, and it's sun there all day, and it stays there all the time. Well, that's it. The uh, location is all uh, is absolutely imperative when it comes to these tropical plants to have them bloom. So that sun is probably making all the difference. Every mo- it's there all day, and I just can't believe it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay, thanks again. Thanks okay, for your Julie, call. Thank you. What a happy sounding voice. Huh? I know, and but what a happy, <laughs> yeah. uh, like sort of well, horrible story. Like it just keeps blooming. Yeah. Like, I don't Son know what to gun. do. <laughs> I've got to stop this. No, no. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> Our next call, I believe. Uh, is from Zephyr, which is near Uxbridge. How do you know let's, that? Let's, well, I, I Did think you know uh, who Maria is? S- Sebastian started to put in Zephyr, and then thought nobody's going to know where Zephyr is. I, do. I know well, where Zephyr I, is. Yeah. So uh, let me correct, clear, um, clarify all of this <laughs> by welcoming Marie, Marie to the line. Is that indeed correct, Marie? Are you calling from Zephyr? Good morning, Frank and, and Charlie. Good morning. The sun is out here. Oh, yeah. really? And That's here nice. is what? Zephyr? Yes. Yes. Okay. Is. That's okay, good. Nice. Um, I'm calling about my lily of the Nile, mm-hmm. um, or the agapanthus. Right. I brought it in for the winter. Good. In the pot, mm-hmm. and I've watered it occasionally. It's still green. I thought it would die down. Well, if you're watering it, it won't die down. So it'll stop. Um, well, I mean, it's gone this long, uh, and it is January. So, have you got it in some sunshine, or did you stick it down in the basement? Where Where is it in your house? Um, it's facing the south. It's in the south window. Okay, so it's in the sun. If you continue to water it, um, you know, only when it's dry, it will just continue to be a green plant until we're frost-free, and then you'll take it back outside without ever having that enforced dormancy on it. Uh, it's not the end of the world, though. That it, It's fine, you know. So will it flower in the summer? It should. It should. Once it gets outside, you will want to, um, once we get into longer days, so March, April, it would be very advisable to start using some fertilizer when you're watering it, a flowering plant fertilizer. But do be careful, no overwatering. Right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's great then. I just wondered what I should be doing, if I should cut it back or what. Well, yeah, when it's in the sun and you're giving it water, then you're. Just, I wouldn't cut it back. See, those green leaves that are on it are actually feeding the bulb and preparing it to be even better this summer. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for joining for us. Thanks for calling. Marie. All right. Uh, we're up against a little break here. Uh, I'll, at some time before uh, we reach the 10 o'clock point, I'll regale you. Well, I hope uh, I'll tell a little story about um, Shirley and the mice at, oh, at, my. The, at the cabin in the woods here. All right, and that. I have some email to share, too. Okay, good. But we do have uh, uh, Alice from uh, Mount Hope waiting online, and we'll get to her in just a moment on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, I'm so delighted that Alice kind of hung around there and <laughs> hung on the phone. Uh, thank you in Mount Hope. Alice, welcome to our show. 
Hi there. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Good morning. Oh, good morning. I called you in November about a Christmas cactus mm-hmm. that wasn't blooming, mm-hmm. and now she's blooming like crazy. Nice. So I just wonder what to do. Should I continue fertilizing it or just keep watering it once a week? As long as it's blooming, you can continue to fertilize. I wouldn't fertilize every week, but certainly every second or third watering you could fertilize. But make sure that soil is quite dry between waterings. And, you know, water thoroughly when you water. Water enough that you're really going to saturate the root ball. But don't water if the soil still feels moist. Wait until it's really feeling quite quite tough and dry before you water. But sure, when I get a, one of those plant uh, indicators for water, maybe? Yeah, Moisture meters can be very handy. Should be available at any of the, you know, like a home store, like a home hardware or a Canadian Tire or in Mount Hope. Uh, you probably have some garden centers not too yep, far. Yep, Sharples. Yep, Sharples, they'll have it for sure. Moisture meter. Yep. Okay. Because okay, it, you know, like you just don't know if the water is getting through because it's a plant is 25 years old. Yeah. And it's huge. And it's yeah. like, how much do I water here? That's <laughs> you right. know? Yeah, no, that's right. And it can feel dry on the surface, but it could be quite moist underneath. And the last thing you want to do is overwater. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah if, it's a, if it's a big old plant in a big old pot, then yes, I think a moisture meter is a good idea. Okay. Well, thank you. I enjoy your show every week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye now. Bye-bye now, Alice. Let's... Oh, you know our little mantra that we repeat at the start of every show? Our little mantra, yes. Yes, yes. uh, Call call early, call call often. One question per call. One question per call. But always call back if you... You know, and by gosh, look at this. Lorraine in Cambridge. Welcome (laughs) back to the show. (laughs) Hi. Good Um, morning again. I have a uh, uh, just a comment about the uh, composting of the E. coli, yeah. perhaps. Um, I don't know if it would go with this, but I have I have a composter at home, but we also have a big composting thing for the city. Right. And when talking about um, the rhubarb plant leaves, they said that mm. the heat of the larger compost place mm. um, will destroy anything, so perhaps that would work with the E. coli, too. I don't really right. know about that yeah. thought. No, now, it's true. Yeah. Now, the other, but the other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, I have a flowering crab. I've been here 33 years, and it was here, and it's not... It, I got it trimmed last year, and uh, I just was wondering how long they live. Um, not much longer than that. Yeah, it depends. It kind of depends how they were cared for in their youth. Uh. So when the flowering crabs are planted, they're often planted by developers or in, you'll see like whole subdivisions planted in flowering crab, for right. example. And then they're not pruned. And so if they're not pruned in the first 10 years, which is often the case, they, they grow with a poorly a poor structure the frame the skeleton of the plant is typically not good without some modification with proper pruning in their in their youth so that is often what leads to their early demise is as they get older and older they've got these weak limbs and and poorly chosen branches that are still there and of course they 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 break uh, yeah. they they just aren't okay. well designed that way but otherwise a flowering crab should be good for well um, you know, when you think about it, a flowering crab is very similar to an apple tree. And, of course, apple trees have been known to live well over 100 years old. So yeah. if, if a flowering crab is cared for properly, it should be able to live quite a long time. All right. Thanks.
Thanks very much. Okay, thanks Thank for you. calling. Thanks so much, Lorraine. Uh, okay. Ch- Charlie, you're familiar with where, where I live. Uh, Shirley and I uh, live in a lovely log yes. cabin in, in the middle of a forest. That's I know, it's true. lovely, on a pond. Uh, so, uh, when you're on the, in the farmland, uh, you're... Kinda, well, you're in the forest land. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to expect that mice do get into the house, you know. Well, of course, it's another. a lot warmer in your house than Darn it is right. outside. So, here I am in the kitchen. I'm making a pot of coffee. And... Uh, <laughs> Shirley, uh, who, who was sitting at the last time I saw her, was like 20 feet away, sitting in an armchair watching TV. And all of a sudden, the most ungodly scream. And I just about threw the coffee pot through I, the window. I'm not surprised. And, that and scream I ran back. Is and not, said, What's wrong? not good. And she said, a mouse. <laughs> a, a, a mouse had crawled up the back of the darn chair she was sitting in, right over her shoulder, down Aww. her arm, and off onto the floor. Well, God, you would have thought that, yes, uh, you somebody know. Had stabbed her. Oh, Lordy. Well, people that are afraid well, of mice are too. Terri- terrified exactly. when a mouse comes close to them. Yep, yep. But but still, it is a terrifying sound oh, that rather, scream. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, you're, you. Well, I don't think- blame her at all for. I mean, geez, I wouldn't like it either. But to to put myself in the somewhat the same, if a huge spider had landed on I'm me, sure. I'd, I'd be up there You'd screaming, be screaming too. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, I, wow. you know, it's funny. People either put up with things like spiders and mice, yeah. or or they're afraid of them, and it's just one of those yeah, things you yeah. can't really control. Because I I mentioned. Well, to I'm you getting that, better over the years, but. Uh, still not the most favorite thing. No, I mean, uh, either. Yeah, I'd rather have a mouse on me than a yeah, spider. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, so I, I, the first time um, our cat brought a, a mouse in, yeah. I discovered how afraid Elliot is of mice because he screamed and jumped up onto the couch. <laughs> and of course, the cats got so scared, the cat dropped the mouse. Oh. And of course, the mouse took off. God knows <laughs> yeah. where the mouse went. And, and Elliot's up on the couch screaming like Shirley. <laughs> there you go. Probably sounded just like her, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have to take a little bit of a break. We're coming back, though, to get out to Guelph and say hi to Marita, and welcome her here to the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. So, my friends, from Guelph, let me introduce you to Marita. Welcome to the show, Marita. <laughs> oh, hi. Good morning. Um, uh, I have two little Christmas cacti in a four-inch pot, mm-hmm. and they had lots of blooms on them, but uh, only one flowered, and the others just tend to dry up, oh. and I'm wondering what I'm doing wrong. Are they new Christmas cactus that you just purchased, or are they... Yeah, I purchased them just before Christmas. Oh, okay. The right. leaves look really healthy, mm-hmm. and uh, the little blooms that were in the center of the leaf... Mm-hmm. They just seem to dry out, and then I can just take them and they they just pick off. Yeah, the little buds. If the little buds don't actually open, it's either because of not enough light, so make sure they're right in the sunniest... Well, they're right on my windowsill in the sunshine. Okay, perfect. So that's what you want, like preferably a southern-facing window, so the brightest window you've got, Mm -hmm. and be very careful with watering. Little four-inch pots, you're going to want to water thoroughly, so it might be as much as a whole cup of water to water them thoroughly, but you're going to want to let them dry right down between. So it's going to be a good 10 days, two weeks between. Yeah, but I, I heard the call from the other lady, mm-hmm. and she said that, um, or you said that they might be dry on top, but wet at the bottom. Yeah, with a big Now, pot. I've been watering them um, from the bottom. Okay. Although, because the top is so dry, I've also poured a little bit of water in from the top. Mm-hmm. 
but I make sure that there's no water sitting there. Right. Okay. So the and trick- I just wondered if it's because they're new. The leaves look, you know, very healthy. Yeah. No, which is great. That's what you want. The leaves should be very healthy. But if you're losing flower buds before they open, it's likely because the plants are are just either too much water, not enough water, not enough sun, or even too hot. Is there uh, any hot air blowing, like a vent near those plants? No, they're. They're on a windowsill, but I kept the paper that uh, that surrounded them. Okay, so take that away. You want that, that gone because that paper is blocking the drainage holes in the bottom of the pot. So oh, you so want I should take that off. Right. So you want the pot just with no wrapping sitting in a saucer, and you want to water from the top, like just on the soil. Not the pl- you don't want to wet the leaves, but you want to water into the top of the soil, enough water that it drains out those drainage holes. You want the plant to sit in water for as much as 10 or 15 minutes, and whatever water still left in the saucer at that time, you dump out, and then you leave the plant alone until it feels very dry to the touch or very light in weight. Might be as much as two weeks between waterings, but okay. thorough watering. And I've noticed that um, some little buds were, well, many of them, most of them, they've all fallen off. But I noticed that um, there's some new ones Great. Come, no, that's, that's coming good. out, but and then they dry off again. Okay, so again, I think it could be the watering issue, because you're great in terms of your window ledge, you want that sun, you want the cool temperatures. That's what's making those buds form, is the cool temperature on the window ledge and the sunshine. That's all good. If the okay. buds aren't surviving... So th- should it still keep on blooming? Yeah. Oh, they'll yeah. keep, if they're happy, they will bloom right sometimes through till yeah. Easter. Like, they'll just keep going all winter. Well, my anthurium is in the same place, and it's doing fabulous. That's great. You See, go. and your anthurium wants consistent water. Like, that one, you can go every couple of days with some water. But the Christmas cactus, no, every couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank you, Marita. Call. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we uh, take any more calls, you did have a Yeah, a, let me just, email uh, this is a, in, I, it's just kind of timely. This is an email from... Um, oops, sorry, Koshaba. And the question is, every year she grows vegetables in the garden, but the results are not encouraging. So she's gonna. She's very grateful if we can help to solve the problem by answering uh, regarding the soil. So what is the best soil to grow vegetables, and how much is the depth of that good, sh- good soil should it be? So now I'm not clear whether this is a... Um, gardening in a raised planter Mm. or whether this is gardening in the ground but uh, either way the best if you're in the ground you want a well-drained sandy loam so if you don't naturally have that you want to add things like composted manure you want to make sure you got lots of good organic material into that soil Mm. to help with drainage uh, and to help with water retention depending on on your soil if you're in a container like a raised garden bed then you're going to look more at mixing up some potting soil Mm -hmm. with some uh, triple mix, perhaps half and half, depending on the size of the container. Depth of soil is going to depend on what you're growing. So you want to grow tomatoes six feet tall, you need big tall, you know, you need 
two feet of a depth of good soil. If you're just growing lettuces, then you're fine with about five inches of soil in terms of depth. So it really comes down to what you're growing in terms of the, the depth. But uh, main thing is make sure you've got that soil, you know, kind of prepared mm-hmm. in advance and that it's a good quality soil to really support the growth of, of any of the plants you're choosing. Okay. All right. Now we can squeeze in one uh, final call, I do believe. All right. Uh, Jane in Chatham. Good morning and welcome to the show. Oops. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> Good morning. Yeah, go ahead. Hi. Good morning. What's going on at your place, Jane? Hi. I, I said poinsettia, but what I'm really concerned with, a poinsettia was the last plant that came into my house, mm. and I now have black flies, okay. little tiny black flies. Yeah. Okay, so you know what those are? And you're right, could have come in on the poinsettia. They're, it's actually in the soil. It's a, it looks like fruit flies flying around, and uh, they are fungus Nats, so G N A T, gnats. So, what you do is you go to every one of your plants, start with the poinsettia, which was the most recently arrived, walk up to that plant when it doesn't see you coming, and with the side of your hand, bang the side of the pot and yeah. palm of your hand. And if there are gnats in that soil, a little cloud will blow up into the air, and you will know that there are fungus gnats in that soil. Isolate that plant, if you can, to a different spot in the house. Even put it outside and let the plant die. The fungus gnats will die as well. But if you really want to keep the plant, the main thing you've got to do is you've got to lower the amount of fungus in the soil. So less watering. Let the plants be drier in between waterings. means you'll have less fungus in the soil. And there's a product made by Safers. Sticky sticks. Sticky sticks. Sticky and then S-T-I-X. It's a yellow sticky uh, tags that you put on little posts in and stick in your pots and those gnats are attracted to that yellow sticky stuff just like the old flypaper idea the gnats get stuck into the yellow sticky stuff and they can no longer fly around and lay eggs so the population will shrink eventually you'll eliminate them entirely if you can do both those things sticky sticks the, and the less plant water is absolutely beautiful it's, it's lost some leaves but the flowers are just gorgeous oh well then yeah so you don't want to stick that out in the snow but just make sure that, that that's where the gnats are coming from and then, uh, like I said, less water and get some sticky sticks to control those gnats. Okay. Okie doke. Thank you very much, Thanks Jane, for, for joining us uh, here on the uh, Garden Show for this Saturday, 20th of January. My gosh. My we're gosh. moving right along. Where does the time go? And I see the boys uh, are getting set to uh, open up the garage I in just know. a moment. Dave's back. He's been in Florida. Yes. Oh, poor guy. I know. I'm so yeah. Jealous. Yeah, poor you. <laughs> I hate all of you. It's just not fair. <laughs> not fair. Uh, delightful to be with you again, Charlie, here on the uh, Garden Show. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Too. And what have you got? you got going on this afternoon? Well, I'll be You're back, back at 1.30 <laughs> with uh, Live in the City and uh, lots of wonderful uh, timeless hits to unveil, as well as a few little notes about what's going on in and around Toronto. Excellent. Well, okay. you, you have fun with that, and uh, thank you, Sebastian. Thank Indeed. you to all our callers. There's a full page today, and uh, we will see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.